0: What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This
1: is Kanzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. We have a special edition of Kanzano and Wilner, the podcast, coming at you from Las Vegas. John Wilner and I are set up in the wake of Pac-12 Media Day. We're going to break it all down, get some rapid reaction, and uh, talk about our big takeaways. Wilner, uh, good uh, to do this in person. Good yeah? to see you in person. Yeah, we're doing a podcast in person. That's I love yeah. that. So what? Uh, <laughs> and, and we're inside yeah. instead of outside. It's oh. 115. Yeah. Chip Kelly had a great uh, moment today where I asked him about the weather. He, he, got, he gets up early in the morning, goes outside, and said he walked out of his hotel at 7 o'clock in the morning. It was 93 degrees. And he said, why do people live here? <laughs> that that was his takeaway.
0: My, my flight came in last night. I was delayed. I landed at midnight, walked outside the airport to get a cab, looked at my phone. It was 100. Why do people live here? Why do people live here? I
1: know. Yeah. Uh, I talked to uh, about 25 different people today in lengthy interviews. In addition to the George Klyovkov's News Conference, which right. we're going to get to. Yep. You spent. I was up on the third floor most of the day, Radio Row. You were down and on the main level, weren't you? So I was on the main level for part of it, including they had
0: a real uh, interesting lunchtime forum with about the college football playoff. So I was down there, and I was kind of I was doing as much talking to folks as I could, uh, coaches, athletic directors, other media folks,
1: just about a whole variety of topics takeaways because I did a bunch of interviews I could talk about who was good who was bad what they said what I was surprised by but what about you when uh, when you uh, you know your quick takeaways from the day let's start with George Klyovkov he takes the stage in the morning the 8 a.m. news conference Uh, I thought he was in a little bit of a precarious position in that he doesn't have a media deal to celebrate and so I also found out that his lieutenants his media advisors, they had a goal today. And part of their goal was they did not want something he said to become the story. They wanted football to be the story. So he was trying not to have a moment like last year yeah. where he took a shot at the Big 12. Right. So how did he do in your mind?
0: Uh, I think there was one, he had one, uh, I'd say one issue, right? I thought overall, He was pretty good except for one spot where he seemed to indicate that they purposefully are talking about football and had a media deal basically locked up. And he was pressed by a reporter on that uh, and didn't, you know, kind of had to wiggle a little bit. Because obviously they don't have a media deal done, but the way he framed it seemed to suggest, oh, they, they do, but they just decided, let's talk about football uh, so I, my guess is his folks were not thrilled about that, but I also don't think that's making headlines coast-to-coast coast like last year with yeah. the Big 12 stuff.
1: The The fact that he talked a little bit about the conference, I, I, felt, I heard some confidence in his voice. Now, maybe it's false confidence. I don't know. But it sounded to me like he's not worried about schools leaving. He thinks they have a deal coming down the pipeline. And he really, uh, I think talked about expansion and we'll get to what that means for San Diego State and SMU possible expansion as a thing but how did you sort of uh, see that portion of it his confidence level I think it's his confidence
0: level was reflected in my private conversations with some folks uh, from some of the campuses It just it feels like they have got a little bit of newfound optimism that has surfaced in the last I don't know month or six weeks. And he referenced the fact that waiting, uh, as much as everyone has wanted this thing to get done, that waiting could end up benefiting them because media companies that were not interested in negotiating are now interested in negotiating. They weren't available. They weren't around three months ago, and they're around now. And uh, I just got the sense, uh, talking to some folks, that, that they are more optimistic than they've been before. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I, I've, just, I've heard that. It sort of backed up what we have— reported and heard for a few weeks, in that they feel like the market's coming to them. Yeah. They're, they are the only Power Five who's got their full rights available to, to, to go to market with. And, you know, they either have some new parties at the table or maybe um, the normalization of streaming has is, is come back to them. Sure, that's,
0: that's helping, no doubt about uh,
1: that. I also thought the remarks that he made about expansion, he really tried to be clear about the order of operations when it comes to um, media rights deal, grant of rights. He told me uh, in our one-on-one conversation that those two things would happen bang, bang. He said that the schools have done the negotiating on the grant of of rights part. So it's really just getting the media rights agreement, then getting signatures. And, you know, Kirk Schultz at Washington State, we've talked about signatory authority. He said, yes, I'm way in the weeds on that stuff and um you know everything seems to be lined up there and then he said that, you know he talked about expansion coming right after that i asked him about the 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 procedure for that the 8 votes 8 out of 10 yep do you need 8 he seemed to indicate that it would be unanimous i took that uh, tell me how you would take this he said you know it won't be an eight to one or eight to two vote. It won't be a nine to one vote. It will be 10-0 or it won't happen. Now, you can take that one way. You can say, maybe the conference is saying that if anybody opposes expansion, then everybody opposes expansion. Or are they saying, hey, in the world of academia, if it's nine to one, the one president always goes, okay, I'll see it the way you guys do so we can be unanimous. Yes. Yeah,
0: well, there's certainly that. That's definitely how it goes in higher education. I mean, six to four is unanimous in higher education with university presidents. But I also think it's, it maybe it means that it's going to be super obvious, right? Either the, the media deal is going to be structured in a way that makes the finances of expansion clear and everybody's going to be in, or it's going to be clear that it doesn't work and
1: nobody's going to be in. What do you think happens? Do you think SMU and San Diego State are on the fence right now, or do you think the conference knows that they're in, knows that they're out? You know, it's
0: interesting. My expansion needle is moving back toward 50-50. I had been thinking it was more like 75, especially after San Diego State's run in March. Uh, But now I'm starting to wonder if if they're just going to say, you know what, the numbers aren't worthwhile. We're going to hunker down with 10, sign a five- or six-year deal, and then see what happens.
1: The The reasons for adding schools would be you get more inventory in yeah. football and basketball. You add television households. They would move in front of the Big 12 Conference, number of TV homes. Um, it would protect you against p- possible defection in the next round of media rights. Sure. You have more members. Str- yep. So there's some strategy there. Yeah. Um, but... You also are feeding 12 mouths versus 10 when it comes to the CFP distributions. Yep. Well, and you've touched on
0: this, right? The possibility of maybe not adding anybody in 2024. Yeah. Right? Because there's more money from that first playoff. So they could do that. They maybe SMU and San Diego State join in 2025.
1: I think that scenario. Because I said to him, you know, is it like bang, bang, bang? And he said, well, no, it's media rights and grant of rights and then expansion and to me it felt like there was going to be a pause there but i also asked him about them modeling the deals in different ways and he did say that they have modeled it in a number of ways and it became clear very early that you know whether school x school y were they yeah. adding adequate value right so they know i think they know
0: they know and the thing is they did modeling in the, the summer of 2021 after Texas and Oklahoma announced they were going to the SEC, and all those Big 12 schools were calling the Pac-12, put you know, invite us, invite us. They did a whole bunch of expansion modeling back then, and by the way, they did it with Endeavor, the same company that's now advising the Big 12. So I I, I agree. I mean, they have the, I think they have most of their answers on that front. Now who knows, with. You know the streaming guys, and whether there's a, a, a tonnage issue that maybe just more games. Maybe there's a Friday night package out there, but they can only do it if they got 12. I don't know, but they've got to they've got to pretty much be close to an answer. They
1: also, yeah, I got that impression. I also had one source tell me that um, they w- we would not be talking about this when they start to play football. Yes. And I asked Commissioner Kliovkov about that. He wouldn't touch it. Yep. But that I said, are, is this going to be a problem when the, when the Pac-12 starts playing? Are we going to are playing games? Are we going to be talking about media rights? The answer came no. And so they they must be very close to what they think is a deal.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what was it? Uh, August 18th, I think, the Big Ten announced their deal. It was either August 16th or August 18th of last summer. Big Ten announced a deal that started this July. So basically ten and a half months out. So I, I think that we are looking now, and I know I've been wrong, right, Are we moving the
1: goalpost again?
0: We're moving the goalpost. The presidents have been wrong, which is a whole other topic that we should get, the the messaging from the presidents. But I would be shocked if there's no deal by the third week of August, right? USC opens. USC plays week zero, so that's like August, I don't know, 26th. I bet you the week before that. But at the latest,
1: I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconsano.com. Get a free subscription. Get a paid subscription. Whatever works for you works for me. Here with John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac-12 Hotline.com. Um, I'm impressed yeah.
0: that you can. You're still talking. Then I know your vocal cords. Are I try intact. to tell them
1: I'm an introvert by nature, but then nobody believes me. Nobody, none of them believe me. Twenty-five interviews, yeah. huh? It was interesting. I'll give you some takeaways, yeah, like some highlights, some lowlights. I want to hear. Caleb Williams um, was interesting. He was likable. Okay. He was likable despite the nail painting, despite the fact that he's the Heisman winner. He was likable. Yeah. He did take a pseudo shot at Oregon. I said to him that Oregon fans really wanted to see that game last year in the title game. And, and I said, they really want to play you. And he says, I want to play them too. And he got us, it was the look on his face, it was, it was bulletin board material look. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. That's good. Though. You uh, yeah. like that? I like that. I li- I liked him. I find him uh, more likable than I want to admit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyle Whittingham threw some shade at the media. Kyle Whittingham, I, you know, I asked him about the fact that Utah's picked third after winning back-to-back titles, and he'd say, "You think with back-to-back rings, we would get a little respect?" And then he sat down, pulled his chair up, and, you know, he's started right. talking. He's right. If, if, yeah.
0: if USC, Washington, or Oregon have won back-to-back titles, they'd be picked to win it. Yeah. They certainly wouldn't be picked third. So I, I don't blame him. And I, you know he's using that. He is. He's using that.
1: Cal's Justin Wilcox said, uh, you know, I asked him what is success, and he, he, he out and out said, we need to win games. Yeah. They don't need to look better. They need Ws. And I thought that was interesting. You know, I think there's a little bit of pressure at Cal yeah. for him to produce W's this yep. year. Um, Troy Taylor at Stanford, to me, sounds like a guy who knows something the rest of us don't in a way. You know, he seems to be a good fit there at least start initially, but let's see what what he does. Um, Jake Dickert uh, talked about uh, Ron Stone Jr. the fact that uh, there are teams from other conferences that have reached out to him trying to entice him with an NIL deal. And um, Stone even, I asked him about it, and he confirmed it and said that, uh, you know, they find a way to get in touch with you. <laughs> yes. He he at least has the maturity, I think, to go, you know what, I could leave. Go take the payday now. But he um, he says if everything unfolds as it should, I'll get paid anyway in the yep. NFL. Yeah. So he's staying put. But I thought that was an interesting, an interesting talk. And Chip Kelly was in a great mood. Just really unusually good mood. Chip is
0: a fascinating conversation when
1: he is in the mood.
0: Did you guys go? I assume some of it was not about football.
1: A lot of it was not about football. Sleep? Uh, Sleep. You know, he talked about the the weather outside, the fact that he lives in Manhattan Beach, and now all his friends want to visit from the East Coast. Uh, We we also talked... uh, quite a bit about this this being our last one-on-one after many one-on-one interviews. He says, I might have to come to Big Ten Media Day to see him. Well, you know, that's a,
0: that is one takeaway I had. I did not hear very many people talking about USC and UCLA and this being their last year in the conference. It's like that story, I'm sure it will surface during the season itself, obviously at the end of the season and during basketball. But today, there was no talk about the USC-UCLA thing.
1: Lincoln Riley talked about Mike Leach. That was oh, that was good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, he talked about you know the impact that Leach has had and and the fact that you know he says when coaches hire, they often will hire the splashy name. He said Le- what Leach did was he he hired somebody nobody had heard of, and that guy often ended up being a great hire. Under he says there's just something to yeah the way he hired that was interesting. Huh. So. I thought all in all. What about Colorado? Okay, I got it. I'm gonna say there's no Dion. If anybody doesn't know, Dion Sanders did
0: not yeah. attend because he had uh, he had surgery on Thursday to make sure he's healthy for the start of training camp. So he announced I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, you know, losing track of days. Tuesday or Wednesday he announced he was not. He bailed be on it. Yeah. So they uh, had a defensive coordinator.
1: I'm gonna say this. Travis Hunter, I really like him. Two-way player, corner defensive back, highly recruited. He's young. Yeah. But uh, we talked fishing. Oh, We okay. talked football. We talked about the spotlight and the expectations. He was good. Shadur
0: Sanders. Uh-huh. Son of the coach,
1: starting quarterback. His answers were um, distracted and uh, and he just wasn't engaged. And maybe, he, you know, hey, look, I thought it was me at first. Because sometimes you do an interview and you just don't connect with somebody. Yeah. And I thought, "Gosh, that was really hard, but you know my my um you know board operator is listening in on the interview, and at the end of the interview, when Shadur walked away, the board operator got in my ear and said, "What was that?" And he just did, he wasn't he had no time for it. He yeah. had, it was no use to him. and he'd be anywhere but here yes, and i um and look, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. okay, you grow up, you're Deion Sanders kid." You're forced to come to the event. Every question is going to be about where is your dad, whatnot. So I tried to make it. I said to him, actually, let's talk about your mom. And, you know, he didn't seem interested in that, didn't seem interested in talking about football, didn't seem interested in talking about his music. I, I mean, I tried a million different angles, Wilner. And I thought, gosh, at the end, maybe it's me. And then I went around and I talked to some of the other radio show hosts who had interviewed him. And I got the same report from everybody that he just – he wasn't into it. Yeah, maybe he didn't want to be here. Yeah, you know, and maybe they wouldn't let him out of it. I don't know.
0: Right? Yeah, you never know, right? It, uh, you never know. But it—that's interesting. And see how see how yeah. things go during the season. I don't know Obviously. if that
1: translates to wins or losses. but no, it was, it, may it, was not. it was it was weird to me. You're yeah. at media day. Yeah,
0: it may not, and or it may. I mean, it may in that you know just to track how he does with the media through the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, and, you know, and the contrast that Jaden Delora. Arizona's quarterback, who has recently been in the news because, you know, settling a uh, sexual assault case. And he, what, you know, certainly restricted in what he could say legally, but did address it in a way that, you know, s- seemed to, you know, show that, that, you know, he was holding himself accountable. Jed Fish talked about it. So a little bit of a, a different take. I, I was impressed by what Delora how he approached the situation, given, yeah. given, given I, the
1: time, I kept asking him, why should fans, Arizona fans, Pac-12 fans, believe in you? Why should they trust you? And I didn't get a great answer from him. I was also one of his first interviews of the day. Yeah. So he may have, throughout the course of the day, I think I was interview number one or two okay. out of 30 that he did. yeah. So he may have refined the material but i did appreciate that uh he didn't run from the interview right you know he yeah. he talked about um you know wanting to tell, to tell his side but not being able to he talked about his mother and his sisters and his aunt being important to him and that you know he was i think he was trying to convey that you know there are women in his life that that would care about what his answer would be yeah um and i i liked that but i i just think if you're going to be here do the damn interviews. Right. Show you know, try. Yeah, try. You know, like bare bones effort, sure. Yeah, but I, I don't think I don't I don't know. Maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe it was me, but I just didn't get um, you know I it almost was unusable. Wow. On air. You know. Man.
0: Now I let me ask you about a couple guys I'm sure are not unusable, uh, who you know well, right? Kenny Dillingham Yeah. and Dan Lanning. How'd those go?
1: Lanning was fantastic. Lanning's good, yeah. and I have a rapport with Lanning just because I've interviewed him right. so many times. So, my goal with Lanning, and we made it kind of a bit during the uh, during the interview, was I'm going to get through the interview without asking you a question you've been asked already. Mm. And so we talked about his kids and his vacation, and uh, you know I talked about what play he likes to call. Uh, we went back and talked about the Holiday Bowl, the final play call. They they won the Holiday Bowl and how much it meant to him to, to win that game. Yeah. He wanted that win. He needed that win, after, frankly, after the way the regular sure. season ended. Um, he was really good. Kenny Dillingham, I kind of wonder with Dillingham if, you know, I think he's got great energy. Yeah. I think his offense, he's got great ideas. I just don't know if he's going to have the guys. Right. You know, like, is he going to have the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman to compete on a weekly basis in the Pac-12? Yeah. I think that's a huge question for him. Do they have the guys? Right. What do you think of Jed Fish, Arizona?
0: Good. I, you know, I like the fact that he addressed the Delora situation as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I like Fish, uh, and I think he does a. I think he gets the, you know, the external part of the job better than a lot of coaches do, uh, and the engagement piece of it. You know, he's just he's got a huge year coming up here. Year three, at a basketball school. You're the football coach. And if you don't keep that momentum going, it could turn, it could turn in a hurry. and then it gets hard to kind of extricate yourself from there. So we'll see. Uh, did Jonathan Smith tell you who's the starting quarterbacks? No, <laughs>
1: but he did say that he doesn't intentionally not bring a QB. He said if the QB were an important player who could talk about Oregon yeah. State and was a significant part of their offense, that he would bring a QB right. And he says, you know, maybe in a couple of years we'll be bringing a QB. Yeah. Maybe Aiden Childs is that first right. guy. But I did kind of gather from him. I kind of felt like he was saying without saying that it's DJ Uyengalele's job to lose. And I don't think he would back me on that. I think he'd go, hold on a second. I didn't yeah. say that. But it's just the vibe I got yeah. as we talked about the three guys. Right. I think Childs is going to redshirt. I think he's. I think there. I think that's going to happen, and I think it'll be DJ if the first few weeks of fall camp go well. Yeah. Um. It just the vibe I got on that makes most sense. You know who was fantastic was Michael Penix Jr. Fantastic. Oh really? Washington quarterback. He's good on the field. He was great in an interview. Well, that's you know, and that's an important piece for him
0: too, right? Because if he's going to be a legit Heisman, then the media deal is going to be really
1: important for the next three months. It was charming. He, as he sat down to the interview, got a FaceTime. It was his younger brother. He has two younger brothers. Okay, He has a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old younger brother. I guess after maybe he got his NIL deal, Michael Penix Jr. gave his car to his 16-year-old, and he must have a new car. So he got a FaceTime from the 16-year-old like he was a father (laughs) who was uh, sitting in the car going, Hey, I... uh, don't know what this warning light means. <laughs> so we've all been there. You yeah. will be there with your yeah. daughter, your kids. You know, yeah. we've all been there. We've all been in that kind of scenario. And it was interesting to hear him kind of go like talking to it. He was right. like apologize to me he said I'm so sorry. And then he say he said put put the camera on the light. He was trying to show it on the steering wheel. Let me see what the steering wheel is. Yeah. And I th- I said to him, you're like a father here. Yeah, I mean that you know. The quarterbacks were
0: the story, and they opened the whole proceedings at 8 a.m. this morning with that video montage of former Pac-12 quarterbacks, and it's a, I mean, it's a terrific lineup, right? You got Elway, and you got Herbert, and you got Goff, and Luck, all these guys at Mariota that have been through in the last couple decades and a little longer, and this is... So you got the past about quarterbacks, and the present is about quarterbacks because they've got such a great lineup uh, that, you know... I think they were able to avoid having the event completely swallowed by the media.
1: I think they did as good as they could. Like, if I had to grade them, though, I'll give them like a C plus B minus Fair. because because if you get a media deal, then now you're talking. You may have an A. Yeah. You know, if you have something to celebrate, and you don't have that, so right. I immediately start by going, "You can't get an A because you don't have a deal to present." So C plus B minus, and I don't think their feelings would be hurt by that.
0: No. I, I don't I'm you know that you gotta you gotta work with the hand you're dealt and uh at this point uh it's a tough situation right, so
1: we had some people you know some listeners question why we hadn't done an episode, oh yeah, you know and... In I'd part, like there's
0: a big conspiracy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I don't blame people because it was like, you know, there was a lot of interest in the last couple of weeks. There has been for a year yep. interest in the media rights stuff and whatever. And I love that we're going to be able to at some point, Wilner, to just talk football and talk about the teams. But um, you were on vacation. I was on vacation. We. I even brought my equipment with yep. me just in case there was a media deal, we would do it. Right. But we kind of agreed we'd only do an episode if there was really something big to talk about. That's right. Yeah,
0: uh, we were prepared. I was, you were prepared to do it from New York City. I was prepared to do it from the Delaware Shore if there had been news. But uh, And I thought there was going to be. I thought for sure the first 10, 14 days of G- July they were going to get this thing done. Uh, exactly why it was delayed, I don't know. Probably has something to do with the ESPN situation and maybe other comp- media companies coming to the table. But yeah, we were ready to go if there had been news. But at the same time, I think we both needed a break. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, starting now. It, it's we got ten months, nine, ten months of, of pedal to the metal for yeah. through football season, basketball season, all the stuff that's going to happen off the off the field. You know, it's uh, uh, the break was much needed for me. I'm sure it was for you as it well.
1: It was. I I had a problem unplugging though. Did you? Were you able to unplug? I
0: unplugged for a couple of stretches at a time, like maybe like a two, three days here, and then I'm back plugged, yeah. and then unplugged again. But I'll take it compared to last year.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. When it was there was no unplugging.
1: But when I thought I I thought they were going to get a deal the minute I we booked our trip. Yes. The minute I saw the trip on the calendar, I was like, that's when the deal happens. Right. Because that's how it works. That's, you know yeah. you get the call. So I was at like, we, you know, we were in New York and the girls were all seeing the Statue of Liberty and Empire State Building and we were doing all the tourist stuff, uh, but I was also kind of half working in the mornings yeah. and then checking things and I was, I continued to write, but I think um, it'll be nice at some point to just kind of unplug for a day after there's a deal done and take an exhale. Yeah. You, you know,
0: carrying my computer around with me everywhere. Yeah going to the amusement park with my computer. You had Not your computer
1: ideal. at the amusement park. Not
0: ideal, but you know <laughs> I don't you gotta feel so do bad. I... do. Right. What was the highlight in New York City for your kids? Um,
1: it was weird. It was little things. Like, of course, all the they were way into the museums. The Living History Museum, the 9/11 Memorial and Museum. Oh, good, Was they moving. Saw that. Yeah. And uh, going to the Empire State Building. Going to the Statue of Liberty. Standing in the hall at Ellis Island, looking up. Relatives from Italy that had yeah. passed through there and wondering what their experience would have been like. But the the two things that really jumped out at me were, um, they took a pedicab ride the three daughters, at Times Square. Okay, I paid some Greek guy like forty bucks to kidnap <laughs> my kids and take them like on a <laughs> fifteen minute bike ride around Times Square. Yeah, and as they were disappearing, music's blaring. It was at night, so there's like you know LED lights flashing, right, right. whatever. As they disappear. I had this thought and you know, I turned to my wife and I said, do you think we ever see them again? <laughs> like, <laughs> did we just make a bad decision? <laughs> we like, just send them off somewhere. But they came back around the corner like 10, 15 minutes later, big smiles on their oh. face, happy. And then we went to see Lion King. We said, okay. all right, we're going to go to a Broadway show. We're in New York. Let's go. to." The... And my 20 year old had tears in her eyes. While the music and the acts were on and the kids were just on the edge of their seats. And I said to them after, I said, what was it about it? And as they discussed it, it was like it really had a sports angle to it. You know, when you watch an athlete at the height of their career doing what they love to do, they they were talking about the actors saying you could tell that these were the best in the world doing what they love to do. You're watching somebody. It's greatness. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. It's the Lion King. You right. Know. It's the Hakuna Lion King. Hakuna Matata. Who, you know, who's a huge – Chip Kelly, huge fan. Yeah. Right? Right. Getting it back to football. <laughs> what about you? What was the highlight of the well, Delaware we, Shore? Well, we, were, we, we spent some time on the Delaware Shore, which was very relaxing, and then we uh, spent some time in the D.C. area where I have family. And uh, Highlights would have been uh, – we got a tour of the Supreme Court. Okay. Uh, nice. Yeah, it was good. Good for my kids. You know, I wanted to show them the – the home of uh, corruption. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> right, right, of justice. Right. There home you go. Of justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then we, you know, what we did? We also went to uh, Virginia, University of Virginia, little college tour for my daughter. We and we we went to Monticello, and we took the uh, enslaved people's tour at Monticello, mm. which was was fantastic in a tough way. Monticello
1: is that Thomas Jefferson's? Jefferson's home. Yeah, it's
0: like ten minutes outside downtown Charlottesville on a Hilltop overlooking the whole area, it's gorgeous, and you know you can see various, you know, the dumb waiter that he invented and all, and yeah. his library, which is incredible. Uh, but and we did a tour, we took, we chose the enslaved people's tour, which was something else. It starts off with Sally Hemmings, and oh. you know, uh, it was kind of like watching Schindler's List, yeah. And it's which is it's important, but it's tough, yeah. And and it was we thought it was important for the kids to see it. That's I great. had never done it, so. That was uh that was a highlight as well.
1: Uh, that reminds me of the nine eleven Memorial Museum. Like we yeah, there's yeah, just right. a gravity to it yep. that you need your kids to see it yep. and understand it and and part of it's uncomfortable, you know, like and I'm glad, you know, they saw it, but Yeah, it was great. And it was
0: just it was interesting to see how they and I'm sure that the Tours of Monticello twenty years ago did not do this, but they just start right off with Yes. Admitting everything there is about Jefferson and that complicated relationship he had uh, with, you know, Declaration of Independence on one hand and uh, the slaves on the other hand. It it was
1: that's how it was good. It was powerful.
0: And it was good for the kids to see that they are just, uh, you know, at Monticello, they're just kind of. Taking it head on and not, not trying to hide,
1: yeah, like I'm that. Sure Twenty five years ago, they probably would have yeah. not even addressed it at all. Something can be said for that. Yeah, yeah. John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac Twelve Hotline dot com, and I'm John Canzano. Find me at johnconsano dot com. Thank you for listening to this special edition from Las Vegas. We'll be back with a, another episode in a possible media rights deal on the horizon. Can I move the goalposts one more time? Let's do that. <sighs> We've, I mean, we've been
0: moving it plenty, so one more. What's one more time? Thanks, everybody.